Hello, I'm Rachel Vaughan-Jones and this is the Building Liquid podcast, a show about startups in the drinks world, the founders that are building them and the tipples that have inspired them along the way. Today, I'm super excited to be joined by Chris Hughes, who is the founder of Wilfred's, the 0% British aperitif. Now, Chris has had a fascinating and slightly windy road into the world of drinks, having originally studied engineering and spent six years working in that field, which took him from France to London via Japan. He then went on to do an MBA in France before joining world-renowned innovation agency What If as an inventor has to be the coolest title, job title ever, being an actual inventor. Chris is 18 months into a startup journey, having launched Wilfred's in 2019. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks a lot, Rachel. So Chris, for anyone who hasn't yet heard of Wilfred's, could you give us a brief overview? Yeah, absolutely. So Wilfred's is a non-alcoholic aperitif. Uh, made with bitter orange and rosemary. And um, effectively, you, you, you partner it with tonic water to make a sort of vibrant and refreshing spritz, uh, which, you know, all the complexity of a, of an alcoholic drink, but without the alcohol. So I want to go back to the beginning. The move from engineering into innovation seems like quite a big leap. Those two things would potentially seem to be at opposite ends of the spectrum. What was it that really inspired that change? Yeah, so I, I was an engineer for, for about five and a half years, you know, working for a Japanese company called Hitachi, where, I, you know, I got to design um, Japanese trains, which was incredibly exciting. You know, I got to live in Japan as well and design these bullet trains out there. Um, and as an engineer, that's, that's, that's what you want to do. But you, you, I started to, to realize I felt like that potentially could have a bit more kind of impact by, um, by changing, not just doing engineering, but, but, but working in other parts of the business. Um, and that's how I, kind of, I actually ended up transitioning and, and doing a master's in business just to give myself a little bit of background on, on different skill sets, which, I, which then actually allowed me to discover the world of innovation. And, and that world of innovation is, is where I ended up in the end, which was working for What If. And do you think that that was kind of people would potentially say that, you know, engineers don't have any creativity inside of them? You kind of typically put people into buckets of sciences, engineering, mathematics, and then kind of like arts, creativity. Um, so you wouldn't necessarily always imagine that the two things cross, but it sounds as if maybe you had a bit of a creative itch to scratch. Yeah, I, def- I definitely had a, an entrepreneurial itch to scratch. That's that's for sure. And I think I never knew exactly what or how I'd I'd do. Um, but I had a natural passion for um, for drinks. Um, you know, I've been making drinks at home you know, for the last 10, 15 years. I've been I've been making drinks, and um, obviously not before then. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I was uh, you know I was making like non alcoholic. I made at one point I made like fifty different non alcoholic um, like iced teas. I made limoncellos. Um, I've, I've aged different kind of cocktails and casks at home. So I've, I've, I've always had that, that side of me that loves to make a different and complex drink with different flavors. But um, I think you're right. Yeah, I think the engineering mindset is definitely a problem-solving one, but a specific problem. And I find that innovation one sort of you're trying to open up your mind a lot more. Um, and the two work really well together. And some of the you know, most creative people I know are actually engineers, but it's sometimes just about putting them in the right frame like uh, frame or, or problem to solve in order to to get that creative creativity out of them I find that makes sense so going back to your time spent in Japan so I know that some of my absolute 
best and most favorite kind of drinks memories are from time spent in Tokyo and a previous life. Um, do you have any inspiring drinks, moments or memories that have really stayed with you from your time in Japan? Yeah, I I think you'll notice as well as I do when 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 in, in Japan they've got such an attention to detail when it comes to food and drink. Um, you know, and they go from, you know, both in terms of flavor but also presentation and uh they really try to create an experience and I think that's that stuck with me a bit, you know, in, in the design of the bottle and the design of the drink. Um and also trying to find weird and wonderful flavours. I'm thinking of this one time actually in a even in a bar I was where it was semi indoor, semi outdoor. There was just one table which was right in the middle and everyone was kind of standing around it and um it was only space for ten people. Uh so you ended up you have to speak with your neighbours and you have to speak with you know, you don't even speak the same language, but you're <laughs> everyone's just trying to get along over a drink. And I just remember that experience um, of drinking there and having good drinks of different kinds, you know, alcoholic and non-alcoholic at the time. And um, and and just that that stuck with me as, as a moment, like how can you create an experience that's sociable and, and you can have fun with? And, and I think that has definitely influenced the type of drink, you know, so that aperitif moment, that that drink, that's a social drink that you have with others, which is where Wilfred's comes from, um, comes from moments like that that I had in Japan, um, which I really did enjoy. So you're now based in the UK. Do you feel kind of firmly settled or have you got any kind of itchy feet? You've obviously had quite an international <laughs> career so far. Are you feeling firmly planted? I'm, no, I'm never going to say, oh, I'm definitely stuck here. <laughs> but I'm more firm, firmly planted than ever before, for sure, yeah. I think I think I got a lot of that itchy feet out of me um, um, in my 20s when I, you know, I lived in, I lived in Argentina, um, in France, in Japan, um, in Singapore, and I've lived in a lot of different places, and and now I'm quite quite content to being back home. To be honest, <laughs> but I think you know I'm never going to say I'm not going to return abroad at some point. And whereabouts in Argentina were you? So I was in Buenos Aires. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic time. I, I naturally, I, you know, took advantage to travel around at the time. You know, very much sort of youth hostel to youth hostel, um, the the kind of classic way, <laughs> and. Um, but no, I worked also for uh, for a charity when I was out there. So I worked um, helping to build homes for for, for some areas that needed it, um, which was um, which was a fantastic experience in itself. And I, I just remember I actually, I actually remember being served by a grandmother of one of the homes that, that we were building. She served me a mate uh, tea, and it was the first time I tried it, and um, it just was such a significant experience. But you're so used to you know that coffee and tea like um, here in the UK, and that, that there was a different type of bitter bitter flavor which I hadn't tried before and it was a, I'd say it was a little bit the beginning of me starting to try drinks from from other countries um you know I then went traveled to Brazil as well when I was there and had an absolute passion for caipirinhas for a moment so it's you know there, there's always been every every country I've been to has had a drink of of choice which has kind of stuck with me yeah I think Buenos Aires is an amazing city and mm when the world opens up again it will be very high on my list of places to visit again so wilfred's is obviously non-alcoholic um perfect for dry january we're in dry january right now i imagine it's been quite a busy month for you it's a category that's grown almost out of nowhere over the last few years. What was it about the no-low category that really attracted you? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a very fair question, especially as, you know, I've talked about how I've enjoyed both alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks um, in the past. And um, one, one, one part of it was my lifestyle. So, you know, naturally, I was, I was moving towards a lifestyle that just, I just didn't want to drink. I just didn't want those, those, those effects to have sort of lingering over me. Um, and I've especially found that over the last five years. So for me personally, it made sense uh, to create a drink that suited my habits and my, my way of living and, and the way it's changing. And, um, uh, but I just didn't feel that there were the flavors when I start, when I went out on this journey, that, that there were the flavors and complexity of the alcoholic drinks in the non-alcoholic world. And, and I just, you know, I'd have friends and family over and you end up in a situation where, you know, you're offering drinks and you've got a cabinet full of, you know, lots of choices in your alcoholics cabinet. You've got gins of all sorts, and then you've got, you know, scotch, whiskey, whatever. Um, and um, but then you you can only offer them lemonade or orange juice uh, as a as a kind of non yeah. option, and that that was starting to get a little bit embarrassing. So I actually started creating Wilfers at home as a solution for that problem when I'd have friends over, and then there was a natural step to go from there to to actually sort of creating a drink that that people really enjoyed because you know I was getting such good feedback from friends and family coming over that, that I decided to take that step. And over the last couple of years since you've been more aware of the sort of nolo category what have been the best drinks that you've tried yeah no it's a great question um so i'd say that you know the great thing is that across the board the quality is getting better um some of my favorites are are not not just in the non-alcoholic spirit space but also you know the non-alcoholic beers are, are getting so much better as well and um i say so you know if, if i take I'd say LA Brewery, I think, has got an absolutely delicious kombucha, uh, which is really complex and, and really reminiscent of something between a wine and a beer. And you're not entirely sure what it is, but that flavor is very complex. And I, I love them. Yeah. I've also found, um, you know, I, th- I think the Caleno spirit is, is good as well. It, it mixes well with tonic. Um, it makes a good substitute for a, for a gin. So um, those are two of the ones that I really liked. Also, you know, Take take small beer for example as well, which is not necessarily completely non-alcoholic, but just a little bit, you know, low alcohol, one point eight percent to two point five percent, I believe. But they managed to maintain again really good depth of flavour despite having so little alcohol. So I think I think the beauty is there's just so many good good products coming out at the moment. Yeah, I completely agree. And Eric Sampers from Mary was one of the first guests on the podcast and the way that he talked about them being they're not non-alcoholic they're low alcohol and they kind of approach the situation of we want to appeal to people who are moderating who don't want to be drinking all the time but they treat alcohol as an ingredient that brings a flavor profile so they see themselves not as producing you know an alcoholic drink they're producing uh, a liquid that uses a tiny bit of alcohol to bring this extra mouthfeel and flavor and as you say you know the guys like small beer and, and brands that are doing things that are um kind of more about moderation rather than all or nothing i think are opening up the category to more and more consumers who potentially would be like well i don't want alcohol free um so i think there's this nice kind of bridge happening that will bring more people into the general wider no low category absolutely I, and I, th- I think for me for me as well it's it's a matter of sort of moderation i i personally yeah i personally found with wilfred's that there, there was no you know no need to actually have to get that bittersweet flavor there wasn't a need to have the alcohol there at all um but but no i've seen some exactly some 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 of the ones in the low category are great as well 
I completely agree in what you say about Wilfred's and on that note, I'm going to make myself one right now. So, Perfect. my <laughs> tall glass with some ice. Good measure of Wilfred's. It's also got such a beautiful colour. It's almost jewel-like. I've tried Wilfred's with quite a few different tonics, but my favourite is the Elixir Rhubarb Ginger. Just because I know you've talked about Wilfred's having a bit of a rhubarb note, and I really like that, so I think that this mm. really enhances it. So talk me through the sort of product and the tasting notes and the botanicals that are, that are in Wilfred's. Yeah, so I think, well, well, firstly, your point about rhubarb and ginger, I love it with elixir, rhubarb and ginger as well. I think, um, you know, that, that rhubarb brings out the rhubarb in Wilfred's, but also the ginger note adds a little bit of a fiery kick. Um, so it just, it just adds another layer of complexity to, to an already quite complex drink. So, so Wilfred's, so the ingredients themselves, I, I started off trying, you know, ingredients from all around the world. So I tried, um, you know, Japanese hibiscus, you know, where I'd lived before. I, I tried Argentinian mate. And I tried all these flavours from, you know, I tried English rose as well. So I tried these flavours from all around the world. And I really wanted a complex aperitif. But the funny thing is, at the end of the day, what ended up being the flavours that worked best in Wilfred's were the rosemary from my mother's garden, which she'd freshly picked that day, which I got to try, <laughs> which I, you know, I just chucked into my recipe. And then the bitter orange from the lad's marmalade. So it ended up being the two dominant flavours of rosemary and bitter orange. And they, they end up being from... You know, you go all around the world trying all of these different flavors, and it's those two that that work the best in in the aperitif. Um, but I, I added to that, you know, there's some other flavors such as clove and rhubarb and, and a bit of gentian. So it, it's a nice mix of different um, flavors to create a, a balanced, bittersweet uh, drink, but also with you know citrus notes of the orange and and aromatic notes of the rosemary. Um, and you basically pair Wilfred's as you did with tonic to to make a, a spritz. And it definitely does that. I think this is one of the few completely 0% alcohol-free products that you could serve somebody who was a big drinker this, like all night, kind of, you know, the way that you would serve a, a full-strength version. And they would enjoy it and they would enjoy the flavour. And there is absolutely no way that they would almost detect as a sort of turn of yeah. phrase that there wasn't any alcohol in there because it's got all of the flavours that you want. Um, from an alcoholic spritz in there and I think for people who people have become more accustomed to that more bitter taste over the last few years with you know Negronis and Aperol spritzes that I think it really appeals to that kind of taste profile um, you said about picking kind of rosemary from your mum's mm. garden I'm hoping you found a bigger source of rosemary <laughs> now yeah. to produce your product I'm just yeah, imagining your mum with a completely <laughs> bald yeah, exactly. Garden. Sort of, uh, I've, I've asked her to buy a few other gardens in the area to grow her garden. <laughs> Barren <laughs> <No>. land. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, no, we can. We can. Unfortunately, I could not use my rose <laughs> before my mum's garden forever. Um, <laughs> but um, but no, it, it was it was a flavour profile at the beginning, which I'm so glad that we managed to keep and and for it to work. But your your point about it it tasting like alcohol is quite funny. I one of the tests I did right at the beginning was actually to um, blind taste testers with some friends and family and uh, not tell them I made it, not tell them it had no alcohol in it. And um, obviously I was, you know, I was getting really good positive feedback on the flavor. People were asking for more. And one guy who had asked for two then said, I was like, look, do you want a third spritz? Um, you know, it didn't have a name at the time. And then he's like, look, I can't, I can't, I've got a really big meeting tomorrow morning. I, uh, I, you know, I can't have a hangover. And I was like, 
look, <laughs> it's not alcoholic. Um, and then, uh, yeah. and that's when I knew I was, actually, that was the moment I kind of decided, actually, I think I'm on something here, which, which might be more than just for friends and family. And I might be able to, to bring it out to the world because if, if people think it's alcoholic and it tastes and they want more of it and it's got that complexity, then, then that's not something that's in the market yet. And, and yeah, and so, so from there, that's, that's where Wilfrid's was born. Yeah, and it's exactly that. It's that if you're satisfying, it's, it doesn't even need to be about the alcohol, but it's like if you're satisfying that itch, that moment of consumption that they have, you're satisfying what they need in that social moment, that social situation, which traditionally has always been about alcohol. Mm. And if, you're, if you can satisfy that and no one thinks that anything's missing, then you are definitely like onto a winner. So you've got that idea, you think, okay, I've got something here. I've fooled, I've fooled the guy who's got the meeting in the morning. <laughs> um, how did you then go about making that reality? And do you think it was more innovation or engineering or a mix of both? The interesting thing was definitely a mix of both. So I, you know, I've got, I've naturally got an engineering background and I've Oh, I can't help it. It's the way my mind thinks. I sometimes think as an engineer. So I actually had a formula uh, in my head of how to create the perfect drink. You know, <laughs> typical engineer sort of starts with the formula, and um, and then I worked backwards from that. But it's really a balance of um, I think of science and arts uh, coming up with um, with a good drink. You know, you need to understand how you get the flavors out of a drink. You need to, and that's elements of science now. You know, for example, the distillation process and the macerations, or or what's the right process in order to draw the best flavors out of these natural ingredients but then there's an element of art you know you you don't know what you're going to end up with um and so you've got to keep testing the different flavors together to you know different quantities until you get something that works and that's really balanced um and brings out the best notes of you know rhubarb uh, bitter orange rosemary and so on so so it's, it's definitely a mix of both So let's talk kind of branding and packaging. Mm. I've said this to you many times before, but the <laughs> Wilfred's packaging bottle is absolutely beautiful. I'm an absolute sort of label geek. Talk to me about foiling, embossing, different paper substrates, and I'll I'll be a friend for life kind of thing. <laughs> but did you have sort of when you created this liquid, did you already have a vision of what that packaging would look like or was that something that came later? It's, it's one of those where I started with the drink first and packaging came later. So packaging, naming, everything about the brand came afterwards. Um, for me, it was so important to, to have a drink that people loved first. So the actual packaging was... Um, it was not, again, like, like nothing in my life, I feel it was not a straightforward process. Um, I went through three, you know, I went through three or four big core designs, which went wrong um, <laughs> until, I, um, <laughs> until I gave up trying to, you know, do it myself and, and just myself, that is, and, and got some sort of branding experts, guys at Kingdom and Sparrow, who are absolutely fantastic, who, who, who helped us find, you know, bring together a bit of the identity of what and who Wilfred's drink and, you know, it's, it's named after myself as well. So my middle name. So try and bring all of that together into into the branding. And um, whilst, whilst, you know, while still sending out those signals of, you know, this is a sophisticated, complex drink. So trying to bring all of that together was quite difficult. Um, I, I like you. I'm, I'm really happy with it. And when you talk about embossing and foiling, I can also, uh, <laughs> we'll have a side conversation <laughs> about that after this. But <laughs> so people will kill me if I don't rewind and ask you about naming the product after yourself but you're called Chris 
So your middle name is Wilfred. Yeah, there's a there's a way of a, a story around that, which was um, you know when you when you're trying to come up with creating a brand, you think the naming is going to be really easy, um, and then I ended up spending months trying to get a name, and I just could not land on anything I liked. And I was speaking to a few really close friends of mine who who were trying a Wilfred's an early prototype Wilfred's who loved it. And at one point they just said, "Look, Chris, why why don't you just name it after yourself?" And I I told them, "Look, I'm not I'm not going to call it Chris. That's a stupid name." <laughs> um, <laughs> they were like, "No, your you know your middle name's Wilfred." And and I, I I I I sat on it for a bit and I thought about it and I I was like, actually, you know what? It does represent what what the drink's about and it is a drink which is you know which I want to be quite British as well and um, so it worked uh, and so I, I I stuck with it and and also the moment you put your name on <laughs> on a bottle and a drink you become very proud of it and sort of um and a bit of ownership and and responsibility falls behind that which I quite liked actually well I think it is a great name although all of the most important people in my life are called Chris my stepdad my partner and then my uncle Chris who I'm very close to are all called Chris so if you'd have called it Chris Chris's yeah <laughs> you might have been even more onto a winner <laughs> I might have yeah might have missed a, missed a trick there <laughs> So 18 months in, and you've actually won quite a few awards. Was that always part of the plan to enter into awards and kind of use those to boost the profile of the brand? No, I, I wouldn't say it was, it was something I'd planned out at the start. It's, um, you know, I, I'd had really positive feedback about Wilfrid's and, um, um, and so we entered it into a couple of awards. And the great thing is we, we won, you know, we won those awards. So um, I think the Great Taste Awards, which... Uh, you know, they, they give out a lot of great taste awards, but but not to non-alcoholic drinks. And and for me, that's kind of a UK um, staple of quality. Uh, and so, yeah. I'm absolutely, absolutely thrilled to to have have won that one. And, and you know, there's only a handful of non-alcoholic spirits, aperitif type drinks that actually have one of those. And um, but then the other award was was the Great British Food Awards, and we entered that one. Um, not not really sure, you know, what would come out of it, but but we ended up winning sort of best non-alcoholic drink of 2020, which was absolutely fantastic. So, um, um, and that wasn't you know in the wine, spirits, and beers category. So it wasn't even just across across it, you know, it wasn't even too niche. Which so it's been it's been absolutely fantastic that the time and effort that's gone into getting the flavor profile just right um, has actually been recognised. And um, no, all I can say is I'm just really really chuffed that you know after three months of launching we we had a <laughs> two awards in the pipeline so i've always wondered how that awards process works so if you've got a product i've obviously know about kind of whiskey awards and you can literally submit your bottle and it's whiskey it's neat it is as it comes um but you've got a product that we encourage people to make a spritz out of so how do you make sure that the judges are going to make your drink the way that you suggest in my mind you're kind of stalking judges with a wheelie suitcase and <laughs> popping up almost yeah. like a sort of waiter being like try could. my spritz yeah <laughs> exactly i wish i could no it's all, it's all done anonymously so you you know i think on both sides usually so you have judges and it goes through multiple judging rounds um so you need to your, your drink needs to be you know enjoyed by several different people before it can be um before it can be approved so yeah that i mean that was a difficulty i'm not going to lie because you i had to make it absolutely clear that you know you can drink wilfred's on its own over ice as a sort of non-alcoholic negroni type drink 
Um, but the reality is it's, it's really been designed to be drunk as a spritz. And so um, um, what I did personally is I, you know, I just added a bottle of um, tonic with my, with my, <laughs> with the bottles I'd submitted. And then, you know, at the very least they can make it there and then on the, in the moment. Obviously, you know, the last year has been the last year. Um, what have been your biggest challenges so far in kind of bringing Wilfred's to market? Yeah, it's a really odd year to be launching it, to be honest, because, um, you know, you've, you've got this whole plan of how you're going to enter a market and then, um, and then everything's closed, you know, bars, restaurants, pubs, everything, everything's closed. And then you don't know, yeah, you don't know what the future holds, really. Um, so I'd say I had to pivot before I even launched, which was um, interesting. So you had to pivot my whole strategy before. My whole strategy originally was, let's, you know, let's, this is a drink which is perfect for that spritz aperitivo moment. You know, you're in, you're in a pub, you're outside, um, you don't want to drink alcohol, but you want all the flavor of a great spritz. And it's, it's a bit sunny outside. Let's just have it sit with a few friends. But sitting with friends is just not something that really happens anymore, <laughs> at least not not at the moment. And hopefully we will, I can't wait till we, we can do that again. But we changed a, a model and moved a lot more to online, um, not knowing exactly how that would work out, but actually it's been a great way to get to people because um, non-alcoholic spirits and aperitifs is quite a young market. So and, but there's a lot of people that really want it and people have been searching it and looking for it. And when they hear about it and taste it, they do come for more. So it's been, we've actually found that the reception online has been fantastic, um, you know, from our website. No, it's, it's, it's actually been, it's actually been quite a nice, nice way to start, to start the, the business because it's, people are realizing actually it's, it's easy drink to make at home. It's not complex. Um, you just add tonic, put it over ice and you get a delicious, but complex cocktail. Yeah. And it enables you to, that direct consumer model enables you to build a relationship with your consumers that you don't get anywhere mm. else. Kind of, you know, in the on trade, you rely upon bartenders, you know, amazing bartenders out there, but you rely on other people to land your brand message and you all you have in that situation is maybe menu description feature on the back bar but when you have a direct consumer model you literally own that and you can make sure that those people know everything that you want them to know about your brand so I think it can be quite powerful to kind of start off initially building the brand that way no exactly um and I think I, I completely agree and I think it's a great way to sort of maintain maintain a connection with with your customers um and create a bit of a relationship with them as well so you know when anything new comes out or if if there's anything else about the brand that you want to talk about you're able to get in touch with them and and also ensure that they're you know they're drinking wilfreds how you'd you'd like them enjoying opening the packaging as you want them to because you know we we ensure that we use sustainable sort of packaging when we send it to them and, and being able to you know doing that all online ensures that we can maintain control of of that process and I've asked you about your kind of biggest challenges, but I'd also love to know kind of your biggest successes so far. Have there been any moments where you've sat back and thought, this is one to celebrate? <laughs> well, coming on this show, of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had to be said. Um, <laughs> I'll slip you £10 later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think for me, it was the Taste Awards. Um, I'd spent, my focus had always been on flavour. And so getting that validation from, you know, independent experts that, um, especially for someone who doesn't necessarily, you know, who has a passion in drinks, but who doesn't actually come from that industry. Um, you know, I've got the taste palette for it, but um, being able to, being having experts in the industry tell you, yes, this is a great drink. Um, that, that That's really been the moment where I've gone, well done. <laughs> oh, great, yeah. 
And if you think about Wilfred's uh, in a few years from now, where would be your dream kind of place to see Wilfred's being served and enjoyed? If I'm honest, I'd, I'd like to see it in, you know, a casual on the bench outside in a park, uh, people enjoying a spritz. That, w- that would make me happy, you know, whether it's in outside a pub or, or, or a bar or, or even just in a, in a park, people just casually enjoying it as, you know, for that aperitif moment, um, you know, maybe with a bit of food. Uh, a few olives or something like that that's that if I saw that that would really please me and what's your favorite Wilfred serve I know the classic traditional is you want to serve it with tonic and a spritz but have you seen anything um or tried a specific tonic or garnish that you think yeah that really brings my product to life um so with the spritz the the garnish as simple as it is is just a slice of orange I I know it's very simple garnish, but it really brings out the citrus notes and it works really well. Um, obviously, a sprig of rosemary works as well. The, but the one of my favourite cocktails, actually, with Wilfred's is, is the sour. So um, you you basically add like a whole lime. You squeeze out the juice. You put about 100 millimetres of Wilfred's. Uh, you put a tiny bit of maple syrup or simple syrup Ooh. or something. And then you um, and then you use either egg white or if you want to go to vegan option, use aquafaba, which is you know the water from from chickpea. Yep. And um, and then you just shake it up with ice, and then you end up with this really delicious sort of sour, sour bitter sweet uh, complex drink, which is um, uh, which is perfect, you know, perfect for a bar, but also if you can make it at home and you've got the patience to do it, it's it's an absolutely de- delicious one. You'd have no idea there was no alcohol in it. <laughs> so I've got to my last question, which is always around desert island drinks cabinet. So imagine you've got Wilfred's, you've got ice, you've got chilling facilities what would be the few drinks brands things that you couldn't possibly live without so i think you know if if you've got wolfers already then i think you'd have to have a tonic to go with it so you know i know like like you mentioned earlier uh rhubarb and ginger tonic with licks is delicious but i've also found that fentiman's um especially their pink uh, tonic is absolutely delicious with with wilfers and works really well so um so i definitely have those two in there um i also mentioned before you know la la breweries kombucha really complex delicious i keep that chilled and then um um yeah i I think you know what if if you're out on a desert island you've got the coconuts uh maybe a little bit there might be something there with with caleños um sort of a tropical vibe drink which could be delicious so i'm sure there's a cocktail to be made there that sounds like a decent mix i feel like you've got a good selection of things that you could kind of mix and experiment with to create a different cocktail, different drink, different serve each day. So I think you've chosen pretty wisely <laughs> and all kind of non-alcoholic things, which are perfect for dry January. Chris, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure um, to chat to you. I mean, I'm a big fan of Wilfred's. I love the packaging. I love the liquid. And I think that you've created something that is an absolute dupe that, you know, if people enjoy spirits they will love Wilfred's and they will never know that they're kind of not enjoying alcohol which I think in a world um, that still does consume a lot of alcohol is a really great barometer of a good product so it's been fantastic to hear a bit more about your journey and I can't wait to see kind of what you do next I'm I'm hoping that maybe there'll be a bit of innovation using your innovation background (laughs) to maybe create some some more expressions I'll uh, yeah, I'll keep you updated. We we are hoping to have some things in the pipeline uh, later this year, so I'll keep you updated. But um, it's been an absolute pleasure, Rachel, <laughs> to speak with you today. Awesome. Keep in touch. I'll speak to you yeah. soon. Speak soon. Take care.
please let your Drinks Curious friends know about the podcast. At the end of this season, we'll be giving away a hamper full of every single product featured on the season to one of our Instagram followers. That's going to be a whopping great delicious hamper. Wish I could win it myself. Um, So make sure you're following us at Building Liquid Podcast. And if you really love the show, then please feel free to give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or your usual podcast listening platform just to help people find us. Thanks so much, and I will catch you soon.